You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Tomberly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Tomberly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that from all different fields are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. Nadine Roberts Cornish is a certified gerontologist, senior advisor, speaker, author, and owner of The Caregiver's Guardian. A 15-year caregiving journey led to a decade of coaching, consulting, and care management of family caregivers across the country. Her inaugural book, Tears in My Gumbo, which I love that name... <laughs> The Caregiver's Recipe for Resilience chronicles her caregiving experience and professional journey working with caregivers. In her book, Nadine identifies the five steps of conscious caregiving and is empathetic that self-care is non-negotiable. Her second book, Prayers in My Gumbo, is currently under construction. Thank you, Nadine, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here today. Me too. And um, I I laugh because I stumbled a little bit the first time we were talking about gerontology, which I said it correctly this time. Yes, you did. That's a good win for the day. (laughs) So tell us exactly what that means, because what I originally thought that meant is not correct. So gerontology is the studying of aging, the aging process. Mm. And here today at BizLifeCon, that's what we're celebrating. The fact that as we are amazing aging women, we are really stepping into our prime and we have so much to offer. Experience, vitality, passion, and a whole bunch of joy. Yeah. And part of that, though, is... I think that when I first heard you speak or introduce yourself when we were talking about this conference, we had like a speaker's pre-meeting, you were talking about how the fact that we are all going to be caregivers Without a doubt, without a doubt. If we are fortunate enough to have people in our lives that we love and care about, we will be taking care of them or we'll be the person receiving the care. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It could be one or the other. Exactly. Aha. So in your business, so do you come from a background of studying the aging process? So my background is public health. And literally 25 years ago, the phone rang and it changed the trajectory of my life. I was a social marketing consultant at that point, working on public health campaigns, having a great time in the state of California. Phone rings. It's my mother's uh, neurosurgeon calling to share that she had a pituitary brain tumor that was larger than anything he had ever seen. It was amazing that she was still functioning. And so that began a 15-year caregiving journey. I I did everything from uh, being the caregiver, occasionally checking on her, to ultimately becoming her 24-7 caregiver, which I did for the last four years of her life. And what was that like? How how come you were the caregiver? Like, why wasn't the medical system? I'm not saying you can't be if you want to be, but was the medical system an assistant in that process or your partner in that? 
Of course. So it absolutely is a partnership. I'm partnering with the many doctors, the quote unquote multidisciplinarian team of probably 12 people that right. are are uh, orchestrating her her care. But uh, my mom was home, and so she really wasn't in a position to take care of herself, uh, particularly after she suffered a massive stroke. It literally was one thing after another, after another, after another. I always say caregiving chose me. I did not choose it. Mm -hmm. But my mom, I have to say, the relationship that I had with my mom was such that I always knew that if anything ever happened to her, I would be the person taking care of her. I'm the oldest daughter, but we had that kind of relationship. And I always felt that there was no one in a better position or no one who loved her more that uh, could care for her in the manner in which that I could provide the quality of care that she needed. And so what about your life? What, like what happened to your life at the time? So my life actually took on a whole new meaning as a result of caring for my mom. And I have to say, I really was fortunate. I was in a position to hire caregivers to come in to support us uh, during this process. Mm. And, um, and so I was able to orchestrate the process and make sure that everyone that was part of the team actually was committed to her care, mm. her quality of life and her care and, and her well-being. I also was fortunate in having a husband who completely supported me in the process, particularly yeah. when we were doing the 24 seven, uh, 24 seven care on a, um, on a daily basis. Right. So did she move in with you? She moved in with me. Yeah. We actually oh. moved her from California to Colorado mm. ultimately. So I was a long distance caregiver flying every other week. I fortunately had the type of career. I was a contractor, so I could really schedule my time in California that's where the bulk of my work was. I was honeymooning here in, Calif mm. in Colorado with my husband. And so we made it work. Now, if someone had told me that that was the way it would work out, I, I would not have believed it possible. But it was. We did what we needed to do in order to ensure she received the care that she did. So people yeah. ask all the time, sacrifices and, uh, you know, what did you give up as a result of it? Um, I certainly gave up some things at the time, but the life that I have as a result of, <clears throat> excuse me, as a result of the experience that I had with my mom was definitely life changing. And I can't imagine the life that I would have had I not had that experience. Yeah. And I, I love that you're looking at it with a positive spin on it because I know that caregiving is not always easy on a person. And, you know, I, I see you're laughing, but I, I mean, I, it is hard. And I think that it is definitely something that is a choice in terms of, you know, how much do you honor the relationship and the person that you love so much to be willing to, um, to take care of them at a time that they need you the most. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, for me, it really was my honor to take care of my mother. Uh, there's a phrase called Anamkara. It's called care of the soul and soul friend. My mother was my soul mm. friend and mm. there is no greater honor in my life than to have cared for her. Now, I certainly know because in the decades since she's passed, I have supported over 500 caregivers across the country. I know that's not everybody's reality. I know that it's 
really, and it can be really, really difficult. And for some people, it's impossible based on the relationship and based on where they are in their lives. Right, their life circumstances. Absolutely. I mean, not everybody has a husband that's supportive. Not exactly. everybody has a flexible job. Exactly. Um, and, and on top of that, though, you turn that into your mission in life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I literally get to talk about my mom every single day. Her legacy lives on through the work that I do. The difficult days, and believe me, caregiving sucks on certain days. There's no question about it. You literally have days where you want to pull your hair out of your head. But one of the things that I teach is the five steps of conscious caregiving. As I was going through the process on those sucky days, those, step, five, those five steps of uh, conscious caregiving, I was unaware of, but it was in the aftermath and in my experience of working with caregivers around the country that I was able to develop, understand and develop the five steps of conscious caregiving, which is my roadmap to maintaining sanity while you're caring right. for and a self, life. And I'm sure that includes a lot of self-care. A lot of self-care. Okay, so but let's go back because you went from being a caregiver for your mom yes. to launching a business in the sector of caregiving, like this was your mission. Uh, how? What was the path between caregiving and starting a business in the field. Okay, so literally when my mom passed, it was a sigh of relief. My mother had been through so much. She had suffered. She had suffered. Uh, What was interesting was that she suffered and she had a lot of different chronic illnesses that she was diagnosed, but somehow physically she was not manifesting her diagnosis. Okay, what does that mean? She wasn't showing? It was not showing. So literally we would walk into a doctor's office and they would look at her chart, you know, which was this this, Mm. uh, stacked high chart and they would look at her and they, 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 it's like it didn't compute, right? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah. so my mother was a very beautiful woman and in the last six months of her life she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, which literally was the thing that was about to push me over the edge because she, she had gone through so much in her 15 year journey and stage four breast cancer felt like insult to injury, right? Pouring salt into a wound. And I just didn't know how to handle it. And literally, I was informed at that time that the cancer wasn't for her. It was actually for me. Because for the work that I was destined to do, I needed to understand cancer. Mm -hmm. Because so many people are literally... Uh, dealing, you know, millions of people in this country are dealing yeah. with that every single mm-hmm. day. I lost a, a brother-in-law, like my sister's husband, the nicest man I've ever known, the, a big part of my family to brain cancer. Yes. He was 49. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cancer is going to touch all of us. And my, and my, my stepmom or my mom um, here in Colorado is a breast cancer survivor. Mm. So yeah, it is, I definitely can see that. And so keep going. So, so after the cancer, so yes. the cancer diagnosis, six months, but the, the deal basically that I made with my higher source was that if this cancer really was for me to learn from, then my mother would not be affected by it. And literally six months later, my mother died. She was a sleeping beauty and she never suffered with the cancer. So she died in her sleep? She died in her sleep. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, and so that began my understanding that the 15-year journey of everything that my mom had gone through was really my training ground. And I quickly came to understand over the course of that year that my purpose was really to begin 
to support family caregivers. And before I ever made the decision, my phone started ringing. People who knew what I had gone through with my mom was calling to ask for resources, ask my advice, ask, how did you do this, right? And I get that question You mean, how, did you, how did you survive being how a caregiver? How did I survive being a caregiver? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about the business side of it because this is what we're here for. You know, this, yes. is, this is an amazing event we're at that is put on by the Second Act Women. And we know that... It is a really, it is a really important part of our journey as women when we decide to do something that truly fills us up. Like it, it, it feels like our mission is has been found, yes. our purpose is identified. But it doesn't mean that it's easy because launching a business at any stage of your <laughs> life is not easy. So, I mean, that would be my question for you: is how what was the business launch stages like for you? So, literally a year to the date basically of my mom passing, I launched the Caregiver's Guardian, which was going to be a, con a consulting and support service for family caregivers. And the business grew because people started calling me before I ever had a business in mind. I was just supporting people who I knew, some who I didn't know, yeah. who, was, who were calling to just simply ask advice. So that's really how it began. Um, I you know, certainly went through the process of setting up the business as an LLC and um, looking for a model. There was nothing I could find really that was out there around uh, around this particular this particular business. And so the closest thing that I could find was a care management mo model. And for the first year, I kept saying, no, I'm not care managing. And by year two, I was care managing. And I literally spent the first, I, I would say the first four years basically following a care management model. And I had to shift and change that model after by year four, I found myself really burnt out. And... How long have you been in business now? So this was I've how long ago? I've now been in business 10 years. Okay. So you did a major shift. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and first of all, congratulations for being in business for 10 years because <laughs> I only, I can only imagine the amount of pivots you've made along the way. A lot of pivots. Take it from, I'm two years into my business. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was just telling a woman this morning that um, I've shared office space with and she said to me, how are you doing? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to finish two years, the end of two years by hitting my revenue targets this year. That's fantastic. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm still standing. So this is still a thing. I mean, we still have a roof over our heads. Like my mm -hmm. kids are still going to go to college. Like we're still buying food, yes. you know? So like, this is still a thing. No, it's, it's good. So in four years, then you made a change because yes. you were burning out. I was burning out. And so I moved from a, I, I, a case management, care management model to a, um, to a, cons a consultation and coaching model. And for the caregiver. For the caregiver, yes. My work has always been specifically targeted to the caregiver. I may help them find resources for their loved one, but I am most concerned about the well-being and the quality of life that the caregiver is experiencing because I know all too well that they are so incredibly neglected, not only self-neglected, but they're neglected by the people in their world who think, oh, they're handling it. It's all good. Way too many people die in the process of caring for a loved one 
before the person that they're caring they're caring for. Seriously. Seriously. Yes. Wow, that's that's actually quite shocking. It is uh, statistically, particularly if you're caring for someone who has Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's or de- uh, dementia. Study shows that almost forty percent of the caregivers who are providing twenty four seven care die before the person that they're taking care of. Mm. Yes. So how in that process do you manage that part of it? Um, and I actually want to talk about the death part of it. Like how, how do you manage that part of it? Because I know that everybody has individual different spiritual beliefs. And I think that mindset has a lot to do with how we care for someone who we know is going to die. Yes. And um, I think that having a variety of beliefs can sometimes interfere with how we approach death. And has that been a challenge for you? Absolutely, in terms of the differences, right? There are differences, but I always invite people to have the conversation because the reality is none of us are getting out of here alive. Nobody's ever been born and didn't die. And so dying is as much a part of life as living is, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's important that we come to that realization that we recognize that it's not just our loved one's mortality that we have to come to grips with, but our own. And the minute we accept the fact that we are all here for a finite period of time and we make choices about how we live our lives and we also make choices about how the end of our life is going to look as well. I, I can relate to that in a couple of ways. And I don't know if you know this about me, Nadine, but I have had, I think I told you before, I've had a, a significant amount of surgeries. So I have, yes. um, and one of the surgeries that I had resulted in a, a severe uh, post-surgical complication after having a re- lump removed from my breast. Okay. And that experience led to me facing what I thought could have been the end. Uh-huh. And I was still relatively young, you know, mm-hmm. this was some, you know, a few years ago and but my kids were grown enough to where I spent that day that was iffy, um, conscious enough to know that if this was the end, I was okay to go. Okay. Because I knew my kids would be okay. Mm-hmm. Like that was it, right? Yes. I mean, as a solo parent, like that's that's my focus. Absolutely. And uh, I remember in that situation, there was a whole bunch of flurry of activity that happened after I started to very nicely start telling my children the things I wanted them to remember in Mm -hmm. life. Mm. And so it was like, I was starting to say goodbye because I was at peace with the fact that I might not make it. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, I had a whole flurry of nurses and the surgeons. Then they actually took me right from the ICU into, uh, into surgery to remove the complicated sections. Mm. And, um, they said to me after, and I woke up the next morning and was okay. And I'm like, all right, I'm still here. Okay. So now every day is like icing on the cake because it's possible I might not have been here. I... And it switched my focus a little bit because I actually think I was most proud of myself for being okay. Mm. Like I felt like I had accomplished a lot. Like ah. what, what I had done felt like enough. Mm. And um, so that was, that was a pretty, that was a pretty um, altering moment in my life because when you feel that way and you mm. don't have you know, regrets. So there's still lots of things I would love to accomplish and do, of course that doesn't go away, but to live without regrets and to live like that positive positivity, it, it changed me. Mm. And it also changed it, changed how I look at death as a whole. Okay. Wow. And so I think that when you say that, when we talk about this, the cycle of life, I mean, it is, it is true. We are born to die Yes, we and and there's no controlling it. Not Mm -hmm. really. I mean, we can do things to keep our bodies healthy, we can do certain things, um, you know, to take care of ourselves, but 
there are lots of times where we, it's just our time to go. Yeah, it is indeed, right? And so being at peace with how we live our lives, because yeah. living life on purpose is yeah. what gave you that sense of peace around, yeah. you know what, if I got to go now, there's nothing I can do about it, but I'm okay. Because you you've already lived your life on purpose. Yeah. You yeah. have loved, you have beautiful children yeah. that, um, that are part of your legacy. Mm-hmm. You're proud of them, yeah. you know? And yeah, definitely. I, I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. that because that's You're the welcome. essence yeah. of it. Yeah, it feels really special for me to share it because I didn't realize at the time how much of a profound effect it would have on every day of my life moving forward. Yes. And because it's had that impact on me, it's also had that impact on my children. Yes. It's had that impact on my parents. Mm. It's had that impact on my entire community because, you know, it's it's... It's like I won the lottery when I woke up the next day, although it didn't feel great you know, like when all the painkillers yeah, were right? up. I'm like, okay, wait, <laughs> this doesn't feel like the lottery anymore. But the mm. time I was like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I'm sure the reason why I bring this up is because I'm sure that you must face this mindset issue around death. And, um, you know, I, I have faced it with lots of my friends who have lost people who have lived really long, healthy, successful lives, right. but their grief is so enormous that there's a part of me that wants to talk to them about celebrating how wonderful that person's life was Indeed. and their memories. But, you know, that's not, that's not my gig. That's your gig. <laughs> that's your job to help people with that. And I'm glad that you do because I, people need help. We do. And you know, sometimes it's a trusted friend that we'll yeah. talk to when we won't talk to the professional, when we won't call anyone else. So I could, I would, um, I would challenge you with that, that you oh. are based on your experience. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I love getting challenged. Okay. So thank you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because you're equipped to have the conversation. Mm. You know, first of all, you have the heart, you have the empathy, mm. you care, you loved. Yeah. And mm. most importantly, in addition to that, you've had the experiences that you've had. And, you know, I, all, I firmly believe that we don't go through stuff for ourselves. We go through things so that we can learn and grow through it. And be in a position to share with others. Oh my gosh, you are talking my language because literally this is what I do on this show is I I give people the opportunity to share what they've learned in their mission. And I'm going to go back to what you said about your mom's breast cancer being a part of your journey. This is, this is part of your learning. So you could actually step into this purpose that you feel now. Exactly. Oh, I love that. That's such a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah. And I'll share this, that we celebrated my mom's life and we celebrated my mom's life before she passed away. Mm. And that celebration meant the world to her, but it meant so much more to us that she was able to hear all of the uh, acclamations and affirmations of her life and what she meant to all of us. And so we literally had her celebration of life while she could enjoy her celebration. That's such a gift. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a gift. Um, Yeah, I I really, I, I, I appreciate that so much. And I, funny enough, I tell my friends now that um, when I go, um, cause I know I'm going to go at some yes. point. If I go first, yes. I expect them to have a, a, a cake party because yes. I love cake. And okay. so I want my entire <laughs> memorial service. I want to be cremated. I uh-huh. want to have uh, everybody to bring their favorite cake. I want everybody to eat cake and then just go like release my ashes on the mountains. And I've told my kids and my friends and they kind of roll their eyes and I'm like, I'm not joking. Yes. I, I want no sadness. Yes. I want, I want you to eat cake and just know that I'm tasting it with you. Girl <laughs> after my own heart, because I have definitely, uh, let my family uh, and loved ones know that I want to party. 
Yeah. And I don't want the traditional, you know, funeral and all of that. I want a celebration, you know, I want it to be um, something that really just makes your heart smile. And isn't it possible, though, that sometimes we can't do that because the people that are still here on this earth are grieving too much to be able to see it that way? Yeah, but you know, you take the edge off of the grief when you have the conversations that we're having right now. If right? you have the chance. If you have the right? chance. If the, if, if the passing is not a sudden type if of passing. If it's not a sudden passing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, living life on purpose every single day means that we are present in the moment because we can't ever know, right? But if we're fully present and we let the people that we love know that we love them, yes, untimely debts are devastating, no question about it. But when we're living on purpose, again, you know, it takes the sting out of that ultimate reality that none of us can control. Yeah, I love that so much. And I'm sure that, although I know that you are, coaching and, you know, providing services in a very specific area. I believe that you have the ability to influence people's day-to-day lives, just living on purpose, that living on purpose piece is so much bigger than just being a caregiver. It's so much bigger than handling, you know, a loved one that might pass. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a life, it's a life choice. Exactly. That's what it is. And because of that, that is what makes the caregiving journey, as complex as it can be, as difficult as it can be, shifting perspective, because this is something that you have intentionally intentionally chosen to do. You're going to give what you're able to give. You're going to either facilitate the process or uh, provide uh, oversight for the process. Mm-hmm. But you're going to do what you can, give what you can, love as much as you can, and then you're going to bless and release. Yeah, that's beautiful. So tell us about your books. Oh, so my book, my first book you have is... Two, you have one out and one coming. One coming, yes. Yay, so, so excited. Uh, thank you. So my book is Tears in My Gumbo, The Caregiver's Recipe for Resilience. It is a multi-series books of uh, inspiration, support, and practical knowledge and resources for the caregiver. Mm. And so Tears in My Gumbo actually has been out for three years now. The next book, Prayers in My Gumbo, I literally just completed that uh, last month. And so hopefully that's going to be ready for release in the spring. But there's also a joy in my gumbo, a rumble in my gumbo, and a um, there's there's funny in my gumbo coming too, right? I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it is uh, a number of different uh, different books that are slated to be released to continuously support and inspire the caregiver and also the people in the caregiver's lives because we may not directly be supporting, uh, uh, taking care of a loved one, but we may be uh, one or two uh, spots removed, right? Yeah. You may have a sibling taking care of parents. Or so you become a caregiver for the caregiver. Exactly. So that's what I felt like I was for my sister when my brother-in-law passed is that I flew, they live in Ottawa in Canada. And so uh-huh. I flew there like every fifth week while he was sick. Awesome. And I didn't feel like I went there for my brother-in-law, although I yes, did. I yes. really did in my heart. Yes. But I went there for my sister Yes. to be there for her because it's like she needed... I mean, it's like a, it's, it's, it's like you need to create a circle, right? A layer of circles where people are caring from, okay, here's mm. the core. Then there's that other level. And who from the outside is going to support that next level? And uh. everybody has a role because what happens is when that happens, people don't know what to do. Yes. And I feel like the fact that you can lay that out for people is amazing. Oh, man. Thank you so much for what you did <laughs> for your sister because that is so imperative. Yeah. 
your sister needs a support system yeah. for her and yeah. you you were there for her so that's awesome well, I felt like that's all I could do yes I mean I mean the thing is is that that's sometimes all we can do exactly show yeah. up yeah. to show up and you did that so if people want are in that situation and so anybody that's listening because I know a lot of my grit and grace listeners are um, men and women but primarily women that are um, maybe in the second half of their life or some younger or at some point in their life are going to face the challenge of, of being a caregiver. Um, and hopefully it's a blessing as well, like you and I are talking about. And they want to get in touch with you in that process. How can they find you? You can reach me on my website at TCG Cares. That's T as in Tom, C as in Cat, G as in George, Cares, C-A-R-E-S dot com. Or you can call me at 303 394-1963. Great. And we'll put your social media tags in the show notes as well, but people can find you. It's N Roberts Cornish on Facebook. Um, on LinkedIn, it's Nadine Roberts Cornish. So people yes. can find you there, but we will put those in the show notes as well. And thank you. You know, thank you, Nadine, for the work you're doing. And thank you for listening when you received the message of what your purpose in life was to do. Mm. Because I'm a strong believer that we can only really fulfill our soul codes and what we're here to yes. do if we are listening. So you so you heard the call and yes, you and you did the work. Like mm. amazing. Yes, thank you for grit and grace and for providing this platform to yeah. tell our stories and to um, to inspire others to live life on purpose mm. and be the blessing that we've all been placed here to be. That's me doing my mission. Indeed. Yeah, wonderful. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And for everyone listening, we are at the Biz Life Con by the Second Act Women. And it doesn't matter when you are listening to this, you can find all of the information for more information about the next conference. Because if you're not here, you should have been here. But hey, we understand <laughs> there will be more. And you will be able to follow us and, and follow Barbara and Lupe and all of the great work they're doing. And we will talk to you soon. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hi, my name is Les Conley. And as producer of this show, I enjoy listening right along with you. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow Grit and Grace so that we can keep you up to date on all the exciting shows coming your way. Please check the show notes for links to our guests and feel free to contact us for more information. Taver Lee is a social impact entrepreneur and she can be found at taverlee.com. That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E.com. We know your time is extremely valuable and we appreciate you spending it with us. Thank you.